0: Welcome to Porchlight, a place to chat, share testimonies, encourage and inspire one another. Only found on Firefall Talk Radio. Get comfortable and get ready. Here's Richard Grund.
1: Welcome to another session of Porchlight. Going to have another member of SRT come on and share their story. Give you some insight into their background, why they do what they do, but also for you to get to know them. Tonight, it's going to be Joe Citrone, another founding member of the team. We got together in 2007. We were introduced by an author who has since passed away um, named Patrick Heron. We went on and did a uh, paranormal podcast or a supernatural podcast for about a decade called Reflections in the Dark, one of the first ones out there, if not the first, that tied it all together, biblically, scripturally, spiritually. And of course, then you have SRT, Supernatural Response Team, and all the things that we've done. Joe is, beside all that, he's a drummer, he's a father, he's a husband, he's an author. You can go to joecitrone.net to find out more about him. He's been on Paranormal Television, Haunted Case Files, Paranormal Survivor, Haunted Hospitals, things like that. Some of you may already know who he is. But now you're going to find out more about what makes him tick. But if you want to contact Joe after this session of Porchlight, go to his website. You can contact him directly. If you appreciate what we're doing here, let us know. Go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button. You'd like to support what we do. What we do, there are ways to do that. But there'll be more of these. I have some others lined up. Probably won't be till after the first of the year, but I believe that this is an important part of what we do. I hope you do too. Now, let's go to Joe Trump. Good to Jesus. see you. Welcome to Porchlight uh, Testimony Time. We've talked about doing this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just said. To,
0: I just listen. I just said to Lord. I says. Just don't make me laugh, right? And then you laugh.
1: It's fun. I, You know what? We're natural. We do this all the time. But we want to talk testimony. Um, I know who you are. Most of the listeners know who you are. But why don't you share with some of the new people? Uh, tell them about Joe Citrone.
0: So maybe we can bridge the gap a little bit. Being part of SRT, doing Reflections in the Dark, it's been a great, wonderful thing, as you know. Um, SRT has done some awesome missions, and reflections have been great. And this whole laughing thing did start with one of the cases that we did. And I guess we need to laugh every so often, because when you do stuff that we do, you, you laugh. So anyway.
1: We cover some dark stuff, yeah.
0: We, we get a laugh. So anyway, to, to expand on who I am, Joe Citrone. Joe drummer, um, lead investigator for SRT, has been doing paranormal research and all that stuff throughout the years. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, you would never think that we're talking about anything serious because no, we're no. laughing.
1: No, we're just talking about demons and fallen angels and, and spirits and all this other stuff.
0: All right, so let's try it again. So. Joe Citrone, drummer, (laughs) Joe Citrone, born and raised Providence, Rhode Island, grew up in a very strict Italian household, Um, brought up Catholic, went to Catholic church, um, dealt with a lot of stuff that we do in the city. Um, You, Richard, in in New York, it's the same type of thing. Mm -hmm. You have your violence, you have your bullies, you have, you try to make the best of what you can and And work with what you have, Um, you know, in a poverty stricken community um, in Providence, it wasn't the easiest thing. And, you know, going to Catholic, uh, you know, going to Catholic school was really tough because back then, you know, um, nuns, they were very strict. You do something wrong, you get punished for it, you get whacked with a ruler. I mean, that stuff was really serious. They took it serious. The problem that I had in my life, you know, entering that realm is that I never could understand God and and, and really understand the whole Bible as a whole, because I was taught to learn certain types of stuff, statues, praying, you know, acts of contrition, doing your communion. So God didn't have enough depth in my life, and I always sought something else, you know, Finally, I would ask. Well, let me me ask, though,
1: but you did since our story is so parallel on every level from the natural, the fitness industry, everything, drummers, the whole bit to the supernatural.
0: But you believed in God, right? I absolutely did believe in God. And that was my problem. I'd be sitting there at church on a Sunday. And, you know, where I was, our church was beautiful. You know, my parents got married there. I was baptized there. There was a place that all the Italians went. I mean, the architecture was incredible. Statues, the whole nine yards. And I'd sit there and I'd look at these statues and I'd watch Jesus on the cross and I'd see Mary and I'd see you know, the windows with all the saints. And you know, I felt what I believed was some sort of emotional connection to the supernatural of God, but I just couldn't grasp it. So I'd ask questions. Well, if God is Jesus and Jesus is God, why are they acknowledged as two different beings if they're the same? And you know, my first grade teacher, Sister Virginia, would always say, well, that's just the mystery of the church. And then if I ask it again, they'd say, well, you already asked that question. And they just kind of brushed me off. So that's where my problem was. It wasn't so much you know, growing up and understanding prayers and things like that. It was like when I wanted to learn more, it wasn't making sense. And that's when I started to look outside that scope of, of religion.
1: Yeah, that, that makes sense. And like I said, very similar experiences from, from raised Catholic, the, the whole Casper thing, just all the way down the line. But, you know, as I've said before, when you're being Catholic and being Italian went together, it wasn't a, you didn't make a religious decision. You were Italian. Therefore, you were Roman Catholic. So it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I, I agree with this. I want to be a part of this. And then you get older and you start asking questions and you start wondering like you did. Luckily, you didn't get cracked. I got cracked a couple of times for those for those kind of questions, uh, especially when later on when I had the the brothers, the Christian brothers and the male teachers. Oh, you, you didn't question any of that. Uh, right. So so I, I get all that. It, and so you start out looking but you already had some open doors didn't you
0: yeah I did have some open doors and what ended up happening is as you know you build these imaginary friends you talk to them Uh, my father was a musician so he basically did the working at nighttime I never saw him at night I spent a lot of time with my mother you know he wasn't there for us um, like he probably should be or how households are brought up now, you know, with the nine to five and the father always home. So I had a lot of resentment towards my dad for those reasons, you know, and and of course being strict was even, is even tougher. So I would get so angry at night. I'd, I'd scream into my pillow. Why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? And I would build characters in my mind, in my head. I would build protectors, you know, I would build these, these beings and these creatures who who fought for me and who stood up for me and, you know, you know, monsters and werewolves and ghosts and all these things I was integrated into it. So anyway, my parents, um, you know, my mother was home, my dad worked. Now my aunts owned a jewelry company and they did a lot of stone setting. So my mother would do some homework at home. They'd give her some stuff to make some extra money. And one day they hired this other woman, um, who, was a friend of my father's. Um, matter of fact, I believe it was my father's friend's wife. She was about 26 years old. Her and my mother hit it off and come to realize that she was a witch. She was a black witch. She practiced um, black magic. She belonged to a to a group, a coven, that was in, uh, I believe, in the Chicago area. And she would Integrate with my mother with a lot of different stuff. Hey, we're doing this. Why don't you come on over? And they would start to do these seances, and they would play with these tarot cards and little things like that. And you know, they would take me there because my dad worked at night, so I had to go with my mother. So now I'm in the house, you know. And it, and when it was time for me to go to bed, my parent, uh, my mother would stay downstairs with uh, with this woman and other friends, and they would do their thing, and I'd be upstairs hanging in there. And I would have these horrible dreams while I was upstairs in in the bedroom. I would start to get nervous. The bed would shake. I would try to come downstairs, call up for my mother. And here they are doing those things. And I'll never forget that my mother said that she remembered the time that I tried to come downstairs. And when I came downstairs where the uh, living room in the kitchen is, you have the the little foyer or the threshold where you go into the living room into the kitchen. I tried to go through there while they were doing their thing. And I couldn't, my mother says that she remembers that I couldn't break through from the living room into the kitchen. And my mother said, I'm worried about my son. Is, is anything gonna happen to him? And she says, no, no, he's, he's protected, he's okay. Little did I know they were doing um, summoning spirits or, or you know, doing a seance. And there was a woman that was actually burning Bible pages in like a little sensor. Wow. And we just throwing it in there and aligned her staircase in this woman's room and this house, she had a staircase with a bunch of black candles that went down, you know, down the stairs. And my mother says that I used to actually say good night to every candle as I walked down the stairs and I didn't really know what that meant at first, and, and later it was revealed to me what I what I believe it was. So anyway, now my mother brings home a set of tarot cards. There's a book. There's the router, the Rider weight, which we all know that was a popular one back in the 70s. I start messing around with the images. I start looking at these cards. I I'm fascinated with the Devil card. I'm I'm fascinated, you know, what the the Knight with the Swords and I'd always ask my mother, I'd say, ma, who is the devil? You know, who who is this being? I mean, it seems that he's not really such a bad person that the church has made him out to be. Almost kind of like he was the good guy and he was the Mm -hmm. rebel and God was the bad guy based on how I perceived religion was because it was so strict. You can't do this. You can't do that. God is going to punish you. You're afraid to It
1: also also ties into your relationship with your father and everything going on at
0: home. How old are you at this point? Believe it or not, at this point, I am only five years old. I remember everything at five years old. I remember to the point of being so angry with the church, being so angry with the fact my father was never home, that I would scream into the pillow and just hate and anger would just pour into it why is this happening to me why is this doing this and and i saw the devil as crazy as it sounds i saw the devil as a hero like he's the big bad boy he's the one that's going to take care of all these religious people all these people are trying to hurt me this is my protector I'm, i'm using what i see on the images on the card I'm taking in what's going on with my mother and who she's talking to. This must be like, this is it. This this is more real supernatural than going to church on Sundays and, and learning what they were dishing out, you know, at, uh, at school. Until Christmas Eve. And I know Christmas Eve when I'm six years old, um, you know, everybody's doing all their fun. All the Italians are getting together, drinking and having a good time. You're waiting patiently for Santa to come and you want the night to end so you can go to bed. About 4.45 in the morning on Christmas day, Christmas morning, where you can just see that twilight between light and dark as as the sun is starting to come out. I'm in bed, waiting patiently because I can't sleep at this point. I want to go out there and, and break into my presence. I can hear my parents snoring in the bedroom and I'm in the room. And all of a sudden something enters my bedroom. And as soon as it happened, I was stricken with fear. It was this really cold, fearful thing that I covered, you know, covered my head and I hid. And I'm laying in my bed, got the covers in, I'm shaken, and I peek. And I see this being standing there. And it looked like it was wearing some type of a robe And I close my eyes, I cover my head, I look again, and I still see it standing there. And I remember saying, well, I don't know what else to do except call for God. So I remember closing my eyes and I said, please God, please God, make it go away. And I'm trying to remember what I could with the Hail Mary, trying to remember some of the Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, you know, what i would learned in church close, close my eyes. And then I look and it's gone. The being had vanished. So I never looked up to see what it was. I was scared to death of it. I knew something was there. I knew it wasn't my parents because they were snoring in the other room. And obviously I knew it was in Santa. So at that point, so I kind of blocked that out and, uh, kind of went through life. Next thing I know, my father, um, has a house being built in the suburbs of Warwick where get out of the city, you know, gun violence was getting bad murders were happening. It was just getting really, really crazy. But here's the, here's the turning point during the time that my mother was friends and my parents were friends with, with this woman, she was pregnant, my mother. And at that point, she might've been four months pregnant right around that time where they were all hanging out and doing stuff. So my father and and mother finally says, listen, Joey doesn't want to go there. I can't make him go there. He's afraid. This is getting a little bit out of hand. Seances, tarot cards. My father even recalls a time that he'd gone over there and he said, you know, I remember seeing shadows on the walls when this woman was doing her thing. She would go into people's dreams uh, my father had a really good friend, which was his best friend at the time, which was the, uh, uh, who was also the drummer in his band. And uh, he said, "You know, Joe, I think your son is on to something. There's something really strange about this woman, and I think you should keep him away from her." And he also knew who she was. And his claim was that she went into his dreams and would have sex with him in his dream. So there was that going on with him. My mother's pregnant. Everything is getting chaotic. I don't want to go there no more. Finally, my father says, I'm done with this. My mother's not looking the same. Her face is looking withdrawn. She tried to convince my mother that they were twins in another life at one time, that they had this this soul connection together. And finally, my father says, listen, we have to just sever this thing. So Needless to say, I stopped going there. They severed that relationship. Now my sister is born. The day that she's born, my mother brings her home from the hospital. And she says to, um, she, she comes over to the house and she says, look, I know we're, we're not friends and you've cut ties with us, but we would like to come over and give you a gift for, for the baby. They, um, my father said that they brought a case of baby food, 25 $25. And that was a lot back then, $25. And she says, can I hold your daughter? And the last thing that my father said that he remembered was she put my sister down on her her knee. And he remembers her hands on my sister's ears. Little did we know that within a year from that point, my sister would be diagnosed because she wasn't responding to sound as 97% deaf so she she's deaf at this point my father's a mess he's all upset obviously my parents are upset we're trying to say well we're going to have to learn sign language we're going to have to adjust our lives to this this is who this is this is what did she
1: hear before then did they Was she able to hear before then so does anybody know
0: no, that's a great question. So basically, no, because when you're that small, you're young, you're, you're, you're nursing, you're doing your thing. It was when she got a little bit older, and my parents would say that she's not responding to sound, mm. you know, making a noise, laughing, clapping, she wouldn't look, she wouldn't do that. So they eventually obviously thought, there was an issue there they bring it to the doctor i remember going to the doctor and then trying little things and and come to realize you know, I've, had that-
1: a, I've had all that done to me i know what that's about right the, reas- the so, reason i asked you know we're sure. investigators we're always looking for is there an alternative answer but because there's no correlating uh confirming evidence we would call this anecdotal but the fact is you have the story the woman puts her hands on her ears and then your sister winds up almost completely deaf. So right. th- there's definitely a, a, a possibility there. Right, and the investigator in us
0: and, and myself, obviously would say, okay, was she born that way? Did she go deaf after that? And the diagnosis is she was born deaf. So I would say on an S in investigative point of view, um, back then when when, you know, parents or, or, or pregnant women got sick. They didn't necessarily. Um, lost your he, video. I, okay, hang on. We, we lost each other.
1: Yeah, your video's
0: gone. Huh. Can you see me now? There you go. You're back. Okay. So, So basically, sorry about that. We lost the guy's action. So it's either you're going to look at it was when you got sick back then that could make complications within the pregnancy. You can go that way with it. Or you can go for the fact that my mother knew this woman before she was pregnant, during her pregnancy and cut ties just after, just right before my sister's birth.
1: Yeah, you could definitely line all that up because she was doing all those things while pregnant with this child, which means your sister in the womb is absorbing what's going on around her. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So my sister absorbs that. She is deaf. Um, I'm messed up. I have a spirit visitation, if you will. My father's friend, who's his best friend, is talking about the fact that, you know, this woman is coming into my dreams and having sex with me. And, And then she would say to him, how did you sleep last night? So it wasn't like he just happened to it wasn't like he just happened to say, hey, look, I've had this fantasy of this dream of this woman. She even said, how did you sleep last night? Almost to say that that was me that came into your dream. She
1: was was looking for a a
0: reaction. Exactly. So now my father is afraid, you know, my sister's not going to respond to sound. You're in the city. Cars coming four corners, craziness. We got to get out of here. So we go to the suburbs of Warwick. They give me a, a present, which is a little boxer dog, Mitzi, little female uh, boxer, you know, boy's best friend, man's best friend. I get the dog. We move to this beautiful house in the suburbs, out of the city. Everything is great. And before you know it, um, not even a couple of months after we moved there, we started experiencing paranormal activity. We would hear, you know, banging on the roof as if something was running across our roof and you would hear these footsteps and this little chandelier that we had, the light that hung from the ceiling would start to vibrate and shake. My dog would start to um, look up there and you know, her hair back of it just kind of just puffed up and she'd sit there and she started growling and my mother would say, what the heck was that? And I'd be like, I really, I don't know. And this was a repetitive thing that was happening as this development is taking place. You get all the houses on the street. Everybody's kind of new acclimated in this suburban, uh, cul-de-sac and, uh, other neighbors were hearing these sounds like, yeah, I'd be sitting there and all of a now, sudden. Is that the house
1: I wanted? Is that was the house I stayed at?
0: That's the house you stayed in. Okay. All right. So that was our house from, from Providence into here. That's the house. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So we're having all sorts of experiences. Things are going crazy. And here's the, this, 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 this is the, this is once again, you, you got the investigative mind and then you get the mind that just doesn't make sense. So my sister's deaf. I get the spirit visitation. We're hearing banging on the roof. My mother has a Siamese cat and her name was Misha. And Misha was around right around the time with the, with the, the other woman. She takes sick and they have to put her to sleep. So my mother is devastated that her cat at only six years old had some rare disease gets put to sleep in the midst of all that. My father's friend who comes over wants to see the new house. He turns around and, you know, spending some time with us and, you know, bringing pizza over and they're all hanging out and he's going through his all psychological issues with his relationship to the girl that he was with at the time and he's all messed up needless to say my father we get a phone call not too long after the cat. that um, i pick up the phone and, and it was one of my father's friends and says joey i need you to wake up your parents." ma ma such and such is on the phone they need to speak to you. it's like six thirty in the morning all of a sudden my father sits up he he's in he's in shock about something my mother starts crying the guy which is my father's friend which was the drummer of the band who was experiencing stuff with this woman he turns around and uh he commits suicide he blows his brains out their relationship with the person he was with was bad situation. He couldn't handle it no more. He takes his own life. So now that's happening.
1: Again, as investigators, (laughs) we would put that in. Okay. There's no, we can't say for sure, but when you start adding all these other things to it, you begin to go, yes, something else is going
0: on here. Yes. Something is not making sense. And of course, I can tell you the overview now of what it's like, but then it was in increments. So you don't really, it's tragedy. Like, okay, cat's a little bit old. Maybe it got sick. You know, my sister's in a function circumstance. Maybe it's linked to an illness my mother had. You know, you can always come up with some sort of reasoning, you know, maybe the house is settling and you're hearing this banging on the ceiling. Yeah. When right? you look
1: at things individually. But then when you look at them collectively, it, you start to go, no, there's, there's
0: something else going on. There's something else going on. And then the last facet to that whole cycle of everything that was there during this woman's presence was my dog, which took ill um, a few years after. And one night, she started hemorrhaging and throwing up blood and went into the basement and started hemorrhaging blood all over the basement. And uh, needless to say, the next day, they had to put her down. So my dog gets put down. My mother's cat is gone. My sister is deaf. My father's friend commits suicide. And I messed up in every aspect at that point. I had just threw my hands up in the air and said, what the heck is going on?
1: And to add to that, what you don't find out until later is where this house was built.
0: Correct. So that, that ends up coming after. So now you would think, <clears throat> well, and this is where my, my endeavor starts. You would think that I would be afraid of all this stuff that's happening. But what was going on, if you remember the beginning of the story, I seen so much supernatural through horror than I did through the church, that I said to myself, maybe evil has power to do these things. Like, this is a powerful, this is a powerful thing. Like, this isn't going to church on Sunday and sitting in front of a statue and and talking about God. I'm, I'm watching these supernatural events take place. I'm watching, listening to things walking across the wall or something appearing to my bed. I'm like, how do I get that power how how can I have that control like that
1: and, and that's the lore the lore is power control because you have no control and even though you're right you should be frightened your your mind even as a young age is going yeah but if I could do that correct
0: you got it that's exactly what it is so either I'm going to run from it or I'm going to run to it And I've been so desensitized at that point, losing a pet, losing a friend, seeing these things that I got so scared until I just didn't get scared no more. I'm like, this is great. Like, how do I learn more about it? So you're in school. I'm in public school now. I'm out of Catholic school. Go to the library, pick up a book on on demonology. I pick up this thing, you know, um, I don't think it was... um, I don't think it was Anton LaVey's Satanic Bible. That wasn't until after. Um, but I started reading on demonology, talking about the summoning of spirits. I remember um, telling my aunts, you know, my aunts who spoiled me when I was a kid, hey, go to Walden Books. There's this book by this guy called Anton LaVey. It's called the Satanic Bible, but it's not what you think it is. It's, it's a book on all sorts of philosophies, And all these things, you know, Joey, I'm not going to go get a book on the devil. What are you, crazy? So I go do that. She gets that book. And then Christmas comes. And what do I get? I get a Parker Brothers game called Ouija. So now I've got the Ouija board, right? See how it's all transferred? I got the Ouija board. I've got the books, demonology, demons are powerful. God is just a statue. And that's nothing. I I don't want anything to do with that. I want to know how I can summon this darkness in my life, too, to work for my benefit now. Instead of working against me, how do I get to work for me?
1: Yeah, and plus you're still angry. You still have that anger inside. For me, it was very similar, but I was looking for the power against those things. So I was coming, you know, we're still getting into the same car. I'm just using a different door. But the, right. you know, the fact is, it's all about rejection, it's about pain, it's about control, I want to have control, and then the enemy lets you think that you can have some.
0: I'm now a little bit older, I remember going to Catholic, uh, um, I had to go to make my, um, um, what do you do after you do your communion, I had, oh, confirmation.
1: Confirmation.
0: Got to go to confirmation, so now I got to go to catechism classes. Now, picture me going to catechism classes after reading the Satanic Bible, you know, listening to the the people talk about God and doing this. Right. I'm like, this is this is crazy. So I go along with it because my parents want me to to do it. So I go there. I get thrown out of the class. I don't know, like three different times. Um, I am angry. Like you said, I'm dealing with a lot of anger, Uh, you know, just things are going on and I'm not in a good place. But needless to say, I do do the the confirmation. I don't pray when they tell me to do this or reject this. And I just kind of go through the motions. So anyway, I do that, make everybody happy. Now I want to get involved with how do I tap into this dark side now? I made my communion. I made my uh, confirmation. I shut my parents up. How do I really get into the darkness of things? Well, I need drugs. I need something that's gonna be the catalyst to get me there. So I start experimenting with LSD. I start doing crystal meth. I start smoking pot and doing all these things to just put me in an altered state of mind that I can get myself to summon some type of spirit in my mind, because a lot of it is still this adolescent fantasy going on in my head, I don't want to kill anybody. I'm not thinking of being evil to somebody. I'm just thinking that I'm seduced by this power. How can I use it to be seducing for my benefit? I don't realize that there's more involved to it, like an evil heart, hating people, wanting to hurt. I'm into it for the desire, the lustful things of of the things that you see and, getting high and having all these fantasies because at this point, my hormones, you know, as as a teenager and everything is all over the place. I don't know what I want. So I join, um, this little coven or they say they're a little coven of people that get together and they try to recite the Anakian Keys, which was another book that Anton LaVey wrote that are all incantations to summon spirits. And, uh, we go do that. We find an abandoned church that's along the, uh, the beach. It's just four walls. It was obliterated in, in a hurricane. We go in this little abandoned church and we light fire. And all of a sudden, here we are. We found a little altar. We got the ocean out there, you know, and you, you're calling all, you know, the four guardians of the north, south, east, west, and all these things that you're doing. And this is it. We're going to get high. We're going to have a good time. And life is good at that point. So, well, it gets a little worse now. Now I'm addicted to, to drugs. I can't, get, can't get out of my way when it comes to doing some of this stuff. You know, I, I'm trying to convince my friends, dude, just keep doing this. Everything is gonna be fine, relax. The, these beings are, we, we got them in control. This is, this is fine, you know? I even had one guy, who was willing, wanted to be with this woman that was willing to, the girl that he was with was pregnant and he didn't wanna be with her no more. He was willing to sell his soul to be with this other girl and sacrifice his unborn child to be with that woman because that was his desire. This is how messed up it got. It got to the point where what became just a fun, Thing under the influence of drugs and your adolescence, your hormones, and all this stuff became to be something serious that was affecting people's lives in different ways, and that's exactly what was happening to me. And I'm I'm using Ouija boards at graveyards, and I'm trying to bring this one. I'm trying to talk to this one. I'm I'm doing tarot cards. I'm I'm manipulating my neighbors to pay me to do tarot card readings for them. So. They'll give me money so to support my drug habit. I mean, it was really like where are, your crazy.
1: Par- where are your parents in at this point? Nobody noticing what you're doing?
0: So exactly. So here's how here's how the dynamics went. My father is works at nighttime, he sleeps in the day. I go to school. I come back, I come back from school. And you lost me. We lost each other. Um,
1: wow, this yep, is crazy.
0: Of course, no surprise. So, so my mother does her thing, right? She's with my sister. She does her thing at the house. My father works at night. He sleeps in the day. I go to school. I got my own room. Nobody bothers me when I come home. I do my homework. I play with my friends, kind of like, you know, you do your own thing. He's not really causing any trouble. The teachers aren't complaining. You know, he's just being a boy. He goes out with his friends. He comes home at night. I'm going to leave him alone. So back then, as as it is today, and I was just talking to it with with Cheryl. Is you didn't have to come home for hours. There was no phone calls. There were no text messaging. You could be on a on a frozen lake, right, and and falling through the ice, and your parents wouldn't know because all they did was expect you to come home once the lights came on at night. You see the street lights, you come home. Other than I, just, that,
1: I was just going to say that was the signal dusk the lights
0: are on gotta go you come home i don't care what you do you go to school you do your homework and you come home when you're supposed to and i won't bother you and that's really what it was like and then then my mother started work and she got a job so now my parents are gone in the day right um my father's working at night my mother's relaxing it was very easy to slide away and do my little dirt as long as it's not hurting anybody else and, uh, and, that's, and that's exactly what I was doing. And then 18 comes, I'm, I'm a teenager. I wanna get my own place. I get an apartment, I get high, I, I'm, I'm hooked on drugs. I'm supporting my habits, I'm doing all these things. And then one day um, I'm, I'm doing drugs and I pass out and I wake up and I'm in the hospital. And I, I had a drug overdose. Um, with what I was doing and they, they had to pump my stomach and bring me back and uh, in the midst of that that little time I had a dream and in the dream um, was this leopard and it was a ceramic leopard that my mother had in the house that she had painted when she does uh what do you do with the uh, um, ceramic class that she was taking put this leopard in the corner so in the dream I see this leopard, the leopard turns into a real leopard, comes after me, starts eating me, starts crunching on my bones, I'm screaming, I'm petrified, all this stuff and all I can do is call out Jesus. And I says, Jesus, God, help me. I can't do this. Help me. And I start praying to the best I can. Next thing I know at the name of Jesus, this thing lets me go. It backs up, it crawls back into the corner turns into a ceramic again, and I wake up in the hospital. And that is the beginning of my walk into spirituality, so I thought. Meet a friend from high school. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Haven't seen you in a while. Hey, Chris, how's it going, pal? Hey, maybe we can get together. Yeah, come on over to my house. We got a cookout going on. We'll do some burgers. Sure, that's great. Next thing I know, we're swapping some back-in-the-day stories. I'm kind of tapered away from the whole demon stuff you know i'm trying to get my head together and do my own thing and cover up my little drug habit and uh at that point obviously uh, i'm a drummer and we'll get to that in a second um he starts telling me about jesus and i guess he said he had gotten saved um just prior to him getting married he was saved um it has Bible with him. And of course, at this point, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, in my mind, you got this what, Bible. What year is this? You remember what year that would be? Um, at this point, I think uh, we're looking at uh, 90, 92-ish. Right? I, was just curious.
1: I was just curious.
0: Yeah, somewhere in the, in the early 90s that I'm tapping into this. And I'm like, you know not, not a Jesus fanatic. So, and this is an interesting piece of it all, because I'd only known Jesus and God through, through Catholicism. I didn't know anything else other than watching movies and, you know, possession and stuff like that. And, you know, the exorcist and, and these things, I only knew priests. I didn't know anything else. So he starts telling me about Jesus and I kind of give him a little story into my backstory. And he's like, listen, I want to let you know that, that that stuff is all evil stuff and you need to stay away from it. And he started flipping through the Bible and showing me passages about, about uh, witchcraft and, and how Jesus was able to cast out demons and you know all this type of stuff. And he had, he had disciples with him and they had this power And they were able to walk in the spirit, and they were able to do certain things. And I'm like, "What is this Jesus that you're talking about?" Like, I didn't understand. Like, you're telling you, so you're telling me that that this man went on a demon, and 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 was able to touch somebody and say, "Go," and it just left like that. Like, that's it. Yes. So now I'm looking at God in a whole different aspect. I'm looking at a supernatural being that had a lot of power, and had I known that back then, when I was trying to search in other things, I might have looked to that God to understand about the supernatural, and the power that you can have in the spirit, you know, in the God realm, not so much the, the evil realm, uh, so anyway, I I take it in, he asks me to pray with him, um, you know, uh, talked about the sinner's prayer, and you know, and and all this stuff, he prays with me, I, I feel the presence of Of something tangible, something that has this beautiful, peaceful energy, um, something that I never felt before, and any type of drug that I used. And uh, next thing I know, he says, Listen, you've got it in you now. Now it's up to you. So he gives me a Bible. He does a couple Bible studies with me. I'm learning the Bible to the best I can, um, but I'm still got one foot in, one foot out. So I'm still doing my, my worldly life. and at that point, now I'm a drummer. So my parents and, and my family are a long line of musicians. Uh, I choose to play drums. I kind of you know took lessons when I was you know, younger and then music started integrating more in my life. Now I'm a drummer and uh, you know I was able uh, to, to play in bands and, and do these things that so I'm playing in bands. I'm, I'm making money, I'm supporting my habit. Um, I'm existing. I'm going through life. But at the same token, I'm trying to understand this spiritual walk. And it's like I've got two frequencies going at the same time. Um, Next thing I know, I start slipping back into drugs again. And I'm reaching for the Bible. I'm looking for things to to find. I'm I'm like, well, maybe this is like tarot cards, you know, maybe I'm just going to close my eyes and I'm going to open the Bible and whatever I look down and see. That's where I'm going to go, and uh, I started seeing passages that were coming out that were like, you know, Jeremiah, you know, 17:5 and 17:6, right around that area, and I kept hearing, like, kept seeing this passage um, that says that um, I'm going to put you in a land that you don't know, where you're going to serve your enemies day and night. Cursed is the man who puts his strength. Cursed is the cursed is the man who puts his his faith in man and makes flesh his strength. That was all right around that chapter seventeen, and I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. I go do that. Every time I come home, I open the Bible. Something new would pop up, but it was all linked together. Next thing I know, my drug habit goes out of hand, and I'm 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 arrested for um, controlled substance that I had possession of. Um, and then I go into rehab. I rehab myself. And, uh, you know, life has fallen apart on me. And I finally, I, I remember being in rehab and I said, well, here's my life. Everything that I ever loved died. My life has been shambles since I was a kid. I never considered myself a bad person at all. Just somebody that wanted to be loved and just have acceptance And I try to find different ways to fulfill that emptiness, to to patch it with with seduction, with relationships, with whatever I can do to satisfy my flesh while my spirit aspect is choking. And I says, God, I, I can't do this no more. So I'll tell you what. If you get me out of this situation, I promise you I will never do drugs again for the rest of my life. I will quit cocaine. I will quit all the things that I did to destroy my life. And I will, I will move on. I will, I will try the best that I can. And here we are. So I come out and life is changed at that point. I'm drug free. Um, Rehab obviously detoxed me where I didn't have to, you know, months without, without doing drugs. I feel good. I'm, I'm reading the Bible, I'm understanding scriptures, I'm doing all these things. I get outside, um, I hook up with the church, church, just coincidentally, which isn't coincidental, uh, looking for a drummer, a praise and worship drummer. Um, I was at the bottom of the barrel, that bad relationship, Um, you know, uh, ended up having, having children. And I'm like, I need this, I need to play out. But I guess I'll take the church. Got into praise and worship, understood what was playing, playing in the presence of, of, of God and what that felt like and, and the atmosphere and, and all that stuff that was happening. Um, and then eventually it was time for me to make my move. So I, I get a lawyer, you know, my relationship doesn't work out, which was fine. I chose the path of being clean. Um, other people chose the path of not being clean the Lord said, don't worry about what you see. Continue to move forward. I continue to move forward. And, uh, next thing I know, I get custody of my children. I'm drug free. I'm working. I'm making money. Life is good in that aspect of, 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 the realm. And, uh, I don't think it could get worse anymore. I mean, this is it. I, I've survived this. I've come out of the darkness. I've gone into light that way with it. And then, uh, and then, and then while I'm doing Bible studies and I'm understanding different things, people are coming into my life. I'm witnessing to them. People are dying of cancer. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm losing friends along the way, but I'm able to, to, to talk to them, witness to them. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is my plan. This is great. Life is, like I said, life is good in that realm. Next thing I know, my dad starts asking me questions about religion god i remember telling him about um he had asked me in a strange conversation in the midst of all this he says to me and this is the pivotal point he says to me so joe he says i understand that you have been reading the bible it seems like it's serving you well you've look how far you've come look at all the things that you've overcome along the way um you know you've got your children everything is going great he says i'm proud of you you know and me and my dad never had that connection we never told each other we loved each other it was never like that he was a Mm. he was a strict italian in many ways and we just didn't have that connection so for me to say i love you did not feel right i just couldn't get myself to do that and vice versa so he asks me um let me ask you this question he says where do you think we go when we die? And I remember saying, well, Dad, I, I, I'd like to believe that there's heaven. I'd like to believe it's the way the Bible says. Um, I, I remember telling him about the story of the rich man and Lazarus and how, you know, rich man um, was died and was buried and uh, Lazarus was, do- you know, died and was carried off into angels, into Abraham's bosom and trying to just show him the difference that when you leave this realm, you're it. By angels, at least that's my consensus at that point. And you're taking up, you're taking up to heaven as a believer. This is where you go. And uh, he says, "Well, you know, I never heard that story before." I said, "You know what, Dad? I haven't heard a lot of stories either until I started reading the Bible." I says, "Maybe we can, you know, we can talk more about it." You know. So that day was um, was a Sunday. We had an intense conversation. And I remember my mother coming out and saying, yeah, jo- you know, Joey has done really well, and uh, this, is, this is really good. I'm proud of him, and, and I'm, I'm glad he was able to turn his life around. And it was a great, great family conversation for the short time we had. That was the last time I saw my dad, 48 hours later. Um, he died of a heart attack at the house in Warwick. He um, was mowing the lawn. He wasn't feeling well. It was in the summertime. Um, he went into the bed, uh, into the bathroom upstairs in, in the house in Warwick, and uh, and then he had passed out. My mother had gone there. She had called nine one one, and uh, he just he just died. He died in her arms in in the bathroom. So I uh, I get the phone call. I, I run home. I rush home, and at that point he's already taken off. My mother's out there. She's in hysterics, everybody's falling apart. My kids, you know, they're small, they just seen their grandfather die and it is a mess. And uh, I'm sitting there shocked by all this. And uh, next thing I know, I'm mad, I'm I'm mad at God, I'm I'm rebelling, I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. And uh, there was a supernatural or paranormal experience that happened during his wake. And uh, an object moved in the house. Somebody happened to see it. They start crying. They can't believe it. They think it's a sign from my father. And in the midst of all this, ghost hunters, paranormal world, everything is coming on TV. You know, uh, understanding the soul, the afterlife, and, and, and you know, evidence, scientific. You know, it was a big thing that just blew everybody's mind back then. Like, wow. You're telling me there's people that go to houses, and investigate and get evidence of, of, the, of the dead. And, you know, it, it's a fascination that, you know, like, it gives you hope to believe that, okay, is there really an afterlife? Is my dad now really where I said he was or, or what is it to it? So the next thing I know. Plus, this grab, is
1: after years of watching all those TV shows that dealt right. with the paranormal, the supernatural, horror all the things that we fed on as kids.
0: Exactly. And now I'm sitting there on a scientific, I'm watching people snap pictures coming up with audio EVPs. What's an EVP? What? So, you know, at that point I'm, I'm inspired to find out. I'm like, I'm moldering in the X-Files at this point. I'm like, I've got to go out there and I've got to gather proof to show that the afterlife exists. And, I need to show that I need to do that I don't want to be religious don't want to follow that way that way because everything is a demon to them and and which was you know that's how I thought about it everything bad is the demon what why can't it be a soul coming to talk to you or communicate with you and do all these things that you see like shows where the ghost whisperer was on right you've got poltergeist I mean you know It's very easy, unless you're grounded, it's very easy to kind of tap into all these these realms. And uh, so I start tapping into it. I meet some influential people, some of the members of the ghost hunters who who lived in Warwick. Um, I grew up with a couple of them unknowingly that they were gonna be involved with all that. And the next thing I know, they're coming to my house. They're conducting an investigation. Um, they're finding evidence they're 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 seeing you know pictures of these orb things with faces in them and i'm intrigued by it all and i let them know a little bit of my story and it was like joe you should be an investigator you take your experience from when you were younger your experience with the church and you take that knowledge and you go out there and you find proof of the afterlife and if you're you know, religious, and, and you're a Christian, and you believe that stuff. Then guess what? Anything demonic, you can cast it out. Like this is this is your calling to do it. And uh, the, the the pastor for the church that I was with at the time, he announced that he was leaving. Um, so you know, he had been my mentor for a long time. I got discouraged. I leave that church. I go into this whole investigative thing. I want to show proof of an afterlife. I I assemble my own little team, you know, and, and and I'm paraphrasing a lot of it. I get my own team together. I go to do different cases. I find evidence. I do this case called the Sally House case, which, you know, you can type in and find Sally House and find all the stories about that with the Pickman family and everything that goes down. I go to that house. I get this stunning evidence. Everything is great. I come back. I think I'm going to get a show. I'm going to pitch it to, you know, production companies and I'm going to make it and I will be like everybody else and I'm going to have my own show, but I'm going to do it from a Christian point of view. I'm going to make it different. It's not going to be secular. It's going to be Christian. I'm going to do this in the name of Jesus. I'm going to do it that way. And that's the way it's going to be. Um, And little I know that the trick becomes on me because not too long after that, my son um, gets attacked um, by by an entity. Um, I was doing a case. I had come back from the case. My mother took him to New York to go visit her family in upstate New York. They're sitting in the room. He's eating cereal, watching TV. And all of a sudden, he starts screaming. My mother comes out there. It's a scratch on his forehead um, and they said, he said, what happened, Joey, what happened? I don't know, I was sitting there and I felt something pull in my stomach and all of a sudden something scratched my head and flung me across the room. My mother calls me, Joey, something just attacked your son. You're not gonna believe this. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? So I uh, turn around and um, I call a, a local demonologist in the area. I says, hey, this just happened to my son, blah, blah, blah. And this is what he said to me. He said, he says, what did you expect? So, well, what do you mean? Well, you, 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 you're doing paranormal investigating, you're digital necromancing. That's what he called it digital necromancing. You're trying to find this, you're trying to do that. Take into the life that you once had and what you did back then. Now you're trying to do this in the name of God. And you really don't have enough depth to do this. And I would say that what happened was a warning that you should be lucky that nothing worse happened to your son. So take it and heed it as a warning that these beings are real. They're not always, you know, your mom or or your parents coming to visit with you with this great loving message. They're actual entities and beings that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. And if you think you have any control over that or think that they're anything different than, than you're the one that's being deceived. So I walk away from it for a while. I get in touch with other pastors and other people and everybody's got all their ideas of what they think it is or what it's not. And people try to get their hands in the pot and maybe we can get a show together and we'll use you. And, and, and it's just this cycle of the paranormal community, the Christian community the different paths, the crazy, the confusion. Come to find out the place that I live in, Warwick, was all built on uh, land that got cleared out. There were all cemeteries, um, all plots that go back to the 1800s. Some were removed, um, some weren't. um, And demographically, everything that's in sequence in the plat that you were was all Cemeteries that were removed, but the body stayed. And I know it sounds like poltergeist, but it really was. It well, was just. Plus, other like
1: people that. on your street had problems. You weren't the only one.
0: No. So now I find out that the neighbor next door dies. The one next door to that neighbor died of cancer. The one across the street gets arrested for domestic abuse. Another person has cancer. Another person is involved in a double murder where they're a suspect. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And uh, talking to some investigators in the area, doing the little demographic chart uh, searches, they're like, there's, there were some sort of, of uh, electromagnetic frequencies that were zoned, uh, that were, were uh, um, had this negative, he called it a negative power yeah. line. You know, it's a power line. You get all these great, sophisticated negative. It's power not line. evil. It's
1: not evil. It's not demonic. It's negative.
0: Yes, it's a negative power line, and the electromagnetic frequencies um, cause you to to get illness. It affects your body physically, mentally, and that's the reasoning for all these happen. So, so basically, we have eight houses on the street, and six out of the eight houses. Either somebody's sick or somebody's died, including my father now, right? So that's, yeah, and, that, and that's and the equation. All of that,
1: for anybody listening, they're probably rolling their eyes. All of this has been confirmed. I've been to the house. I've been on the property. Right. The thing that you have to add to the story is of all the places you could have moved, of all the places your father could have built a house, that's the place, after everything you've been through, you basically walk into a paranormal incubator.
0: Exactly. Leave the city to think we're doing something good in the suburbs, and the suburbs turn to be worse than the city was. It, it, it really, it really, you know, I tell people the story, um, and they sit there, and they're mind blown by it, but then, but then in the same token, they're like, wow, this is just absolutely nuts. It, it, it verifies everything. And, and you know what we did with SRT and even before that, even the EVPs I was getting and exercising in prayer and you know, we're getting responses from the, from the demonic realm um, using the name of Jesus. It all just started making sense that this is, this is all real. It is not make-believe. It's just a matter of what you're willing to see and accept, what you're willing to just discard. But the truth of the matter is, I I can say now looking back, um, it is 100% real. The supernatural realm exists, the power of God, the name of Jesus, everything as a whole is all real. It's all true. It's, It's exactly what it says it is. It's just wrapping your head around to realizing that it does do that. And uh, and then of course, at this point in my life, um, you know, I've been blessed here. I've I've got a home, I've got my my kids that are they're grown older, they're they're out of the house, I have a beautiful wife, and I do feel that God has restored a lot of 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 the of the years as the locust is eaten, as it, as it talks about in Joel. Um, and now. I still want to be linked to SRT, and when it comes time to doing stuff, if if a mission gets called, I won't go just paranormal investigating anymore, I went on the TV thing, I tried that whole route, it's, it's a bunch of crap that happens, and you get swooped up into that, they're just using you to get content, um, and now I've dedicated myself at this point to doing prison ministries, um, going to rehab houses, you know, and and helping and 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 reading and praying and just trying to do things to exercise what I felt like I should always do and had it done because I always made it about me when it really isn't about me. It's about it's about my journey and helping other people see the truth. And that's where we are. Now. You know, the,
1: the one thing, the one thing that I'd like to add is sure because of your what you went through and because of this, probably other ancestral things we've not covered it's almost a magnetism. You draw to you what's in you. And so by doing the things you did at that woman's house, then moving to where you moved, all those things are being drawn to you just like you're being drawn to them. You know, they call it the law of attraction. And there is a scientific term for it. But the fact is, whatever you're attracted to is what you draw. And you and I both grew up different. Different for different reasons, seeking power, seeking control, looking for it in the supernatural and the occult. Not thinking we're bad people, but the fact is, what we were doing was wrong. Correct. And by the grace of God, He forgave us, and then now use those experience to help others. But you talk about the paranormal. I think the paranormal genre is dying. I think these shows have played themselves out. Um you know, we've always wanted to do something, and we will, but differently, especially uh-huh. with getting the documentary finished. I, I just think we're moving into a shift, a paradigm shift, supernaturally, that even the stuff we thought was, you know, incredible and dark, people today are desensitized.
0: Correct. I I, I couldn't say it any better, Um, which is why we do so well with Reflections in the Dark, but you know, in closing, what I can say is this, and and I would love to if we do another show or we do a, uh, a part two to this, where we can really talk about some some of the deeper things and the familiar spirits and the ancestral stuff that you're talking about. Have, plus the, there's
1: a whole lot of SRT
0: stories, yeah, some of and, and which and we've shared. Yeah, which we've shared, but yeah. So I hope I hope we do a, a part two to this, um, and we can really get into that type of stuff, but. But the overview of what I would say to people in my life, I'd say, and I say it just like this. I said, listen, you can believe what you want. You can hear my testimony. You can hear other people's testimonies. But I can say this. Throughout my life, I should have been dead three times over. Um, probably did die during an overdose. I had two overdoses. That In the midst of all my craziness, there was a voice. There was an unseen presence that was still somehow penetrating to me to get my attention, to turn the other way. And when I followed that, there would be, I wouldn't say so much blessings, but when I followed that, I knew I was in a safe place. When I deviated from it, I wasn't. And I started to see the good and evil kind of working, you know, working um, against each other and against me is like I'm this I'm this conduit I'm this porn right in the middle and once I finally connected to understand God and, and the Bible and prayer and forgiveness and healing then I understood that that's where the power is yes I can sit there and say I cast you out in the name of Jesus and all that stuff but the power really was if I was saved healed and delivered then I need to go out there it's my duty to go out there and make sure other people are because the heat—that's that's where it all is. It is all in the healing and the forgiveness and what we can do for others. Because other than that, we're only edifying ourselves. We're not edifying the kingdom. Amen, brother. Appreciate you taking the time.
1: And yes, we'll have to do a part two because there's still so much more to the story.
0: Absolutely.
1: After we hooked up through Patrick Karen, um, no, I've been thinking a lot about Patty lately.
0: Yeah, me too. I found so. a book. Um, the Nephilim and the Pyramid Apocalypse when I was up in the attic, I was cracking I seen your book there, there's a couple of your books there was his book, there was Chuck Missler, Cosmic Codes, and I'm like oh, I remember when we interviewed those guys, and, and it was just great so yeah, Patty was, Patty was our first to.
1: big name interview, we probably we probably need to talk about that, in fact I, I'm thinking about digging out his interview li- re-listening to it together and then talking about it now 10 years later
0: absolutely we should definitely do that
1: all right brother i'm in all right you have you have a great day thanks a lot okay god bless you and i'll see you i'll
0: talk to you soon all
1: right i need to add an addendum here there was a little bit of laughing (laughs) don't do it i was
0: good i was good yeah Okay, hang on. Let me
1: <laughs> I wasn't Damn. laughing. You laughed first. But we just like we thank you for this opportunity. We asked for some self-control. <laughs> T T
0: I was fine. You I was good. Me. No, no, no.
1: I was good. You you messed me up. All day long is... I was like,
0: I'm I'm not gonna laugh. I'm good. Jokes. Just... <laughs> Well, Joe Citrone, um, obviously spending many years with.
1: <laughs> sorry, sorry. We'll get through this. I promise we will. So. Joe, the drummer Citrone. Yeah. Origins of the Onion. Yeah. That's where this started. This inability to not laugh started
0: in McCullough. Let's try it again. So Joe Trown, drummer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God for editing. When you said that you, <laughs> we're going to do this, I thought it was audio. And then when I listen to Larry, when I when I watch the the interview and I click, I'm expecting an audio. Right. And then I see your face appear. And I said, that's it. That's the kryptonite. I'm never going to make it.
1: We Joe and I are like two kids in school that you can't put next to each other. You just look at one another and you laugh. Uh, People that listen to Reflections in the Dark in the Past know that. We started out and we had fits of laughing. Thankfully, we got through it, but it it was great to have Joe here. I hope you liked it. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching. The video will be found on the Firefall Network on YouTube. I'm Richard Grund. God bless.